God, can we switch that back off? Edit mode. One second, there we go. Jerry's getting ready to come up here. I just wanted to say a couple things. I'm have had pneumonia, have had C. diff, and come home after that. She said, just you, only you. So she's a walking miracle. Also want to welcome for the first time ever to Common Ground Worship at Grace Baptist Church, Lily Beth. She's here this morning. Little Lily Beth this morning. So, right. Don't get, don't get too close, right? I think we're trying to be, is it okay? They can say hi though, right? But don't, don't get all up in her face, right? Just give her, she's just been in this earth three weeks. So she needs time to develop that immune system. But you can behold her from far. So doting parents are here. And then uh, yesterday was Asher's birthday. Well, you're saying, well, you don't ever talk about my birthday. Well, when you're my son, you live under my roof, I'll talk about your birthday too until that time comes. So Asher, I can't believe he's 12 years old, but he turned 12 years old yesterday. So it's lots, lots of things to celebrate this weekend as God is working and moving, bringing about life, sustaining life. And with that in mind, I'm going to turn this over to Brother Jerry. Jerry has served many churches in Northeast Tennessee. I have a respect for him. Friends with my mentoring pastor, Wallace, uh, for many years. And uh, Jerry's pastored at First Baptist in uh, Jonesboro and in Bluff City, First Baptist Bluff City. And a uh, faithful expositor of the Word of God. I enjoy hearing him preaching. And so you be praying for him as he brings us the Word this morning. Brother Jerry. Pastor. Well, now, where do I stand? Right here, I guess. I don't want to get my notes too far away. I won't be able to see them. I'm glad you're here this morning. And if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we'll read a few verses beginning with verse 24. And then we will also turn to 1 Corinthians. And we will read from chapter 3 in 1st Corinthians. I want to talk this morning about building a life that will stand the test of time. I spoke to the other group earlier this morning at the 9 o'clock service and one gentleman came out and said we ought to have that when we were young. But you know, those of us who are older, we're still building. You know, we're still in the process. The Lord's not through with us yet. But you have your whole life before you, most of it. And so today as we talk about building a life that will stand. Chapter 7, Matthew, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man. I've never been too smart. But here Jesus gives me an opportunity to be a wise person which built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, <clears throat> the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 
Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a foolish man <clears throat> who heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sands. And the rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew, beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Think of those last sentences there. Those great was the fall of it. Jesus could say so much with so few words. And then we turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. Paul's words, and remember he's writing to the Corinthian church, and they were a very divided church. It was around cliques in the church. They were trying to build the church on individuals. And Paul cautions them to build the church on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ himself and to build our lives on Christ, that one foundation, not on Andrew or Peter or John or even Paul, but to build on the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as the wise master builder, I have the foundation. I missed a word there somewhere. I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereupon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. That is, let each person think about how he is building his house upon that foundation. For other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. For the foundation, and if any man build thereupon with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, stubble, or hay, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If a man's works abide, when he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If a man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself, notice that, shall be saved yet as by fire. Lord, bless the reading of your word to all of our hearts. Speak to each of us in ways that we can understand and need to hear your voice. We're all different, but we all have many of the same needs and likenesses. And I pray that you would speak to us at the point of our greatest need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been through a very trying year in the last 11 or 12 months. It has been very devastating for the nation, for the church, for the school, and for each and every one of us. And we're not finished yet. It has been a very trying and a very challenging time. Think of the pastor and the leaders of the church attempting to minister to the community and provide opportunity for worship in a very strange and unusual time. They needed the direction and the strength of the Lord to do so. Think of the schools. Some want everybody in school, and others says, close the door, and the children are caught in the middle. It has been a very trying and challenging time 
and we're not finished yet. But you know, as you think about it, life has always and will always be tested and tried. The Lord tests us to move us on to greater heights for His glory. The devil tempts us to pull us down and to bring shame on the cause of Christ. But life is always and forever being tested. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where everything was beautiful and nice and everything was provided. All that man needed, God had provided. You know, that's a sign of God's love and creation. All that we need to live on this planet, God has provided. But there, Adam and Eve, that first family, stood before that tree and they must decide. They were tried. Go out in the workaday world with Cain and Abel, two brothers who had a religious discussion. And Cain rose up and killed his brother, tested and tried in the everyday walk of life. People of faith will be tested. Somehow we have gotten the ideal that we become a Christian and that we follow the Lord and everything will come up roses. Everything is beautiful and nice and wonderful. Nothing could be further from the truth. Just read the Bible. But people of faith will be tested. So today, I want to talk with you about building a life that will stand the tests of life and will stand the test of that great and noble day of the Lord. That is accountability. In our society, we deny accountability. The Bible calls us to be accountable. In our scripture this morning, in Matthew 7, Jesus gives us a very large portion of scripture. It is a part, as you know, of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's a very long sermon, more than the mind or the backside could take at any one setting. Most likely, Matthew brought under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit all of this material together, and we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And here is simply the conclusion of the sermon. If you'll notice every Sunday, when the pastor comes to the conclusion of his sermon, he concludes his sermon. And so Jesus did here in the words that I just read before you. Have you ever thought much about the pastor and his sermon? Some folks get the idea that the sermon just falls out of the sky and the preacher just walks up there on Sunday morning and gives what fell out of the sky. Nothing, again, could be further from the truth. One of the great English preachers wore his combat boots into his study, and someone asked him, and he said, this is combat, wrestling with God's word to find his will to bring to the people. Have you thought about that much? pastor and sermon. You know, on Sunday morning when the pastor blesses you, and you know I, I appreciate Travis and his 
uh, preaching of the word of the Lord and his expository preaching and his continuation in the word. It is a blessing and it is a privilege for all of us to hear it Sunday in and Sunday out. And you hear, those, you hear that sermon sometimes and it blesses your heart. And your heart is stirred and your mind is challenged. And you say, what can I do with this word from the Lord? And you attempt to put it into practice. But on those other Sundays when the pastor preaches a little bit too long and doesn't say very much and you probably say in your mind, well, he could have quit a long time ago. I remember one Sunday a fellow came to Jonesboro to preach and after the service, a fellow came by, you know, and said to me, well, pastor, I said, he had several stopping places. He could have stopped his sermon. But you know, the pastor preaches almost every Sunday, almost 52 weeks a year. And one professor said there's only 70 sermons in a pastor. So a pastor has to struggle with word of the Lord week in and week out and that my friends is a gigantic task with all else that he has to do Herschel Hobbs said that pastors and sermons were like mothers and new babies and we have a new baby here this morning and Hobbs said he didn't always know what to say when the mothers brought the babies to the pastor and I know this lady brought the baby to the pastor this morning and Dr. Hobbs thought about it, and he decided that he would just say, My, what a baby. And so when the mothers brought the babies, he would simply say, My, what a baby, and leave mother to her own interpretation. And so he said, The pastor, the people could say to the pastor, Pastor, my, what a sermon. <laughs> and just leave the pastor's own interpretation to the sermon. Well, we're talking about how the message comes to be. It's not an easy task. It's always challenging. Every pastor wants to do the right thing, most that I know. And they want to find the will and the word of God. The pastor's message must begin in prayer. Most start with prayer and continue with prayer. Bathe their message in prayer. Seeking God's will and God's way. That's not always easy. But a pastor must begin and end in prayer. If the pastor does not seek God's will and way in private, he will have very little to say in public. And then the pastor must think about the people. He thinks about you you, you, you. Maybe not every day, maybe not every week, but he's thinking about the congregation in general. And he's attempting to bring a message to meet the needs of the people. Sally and Sarah, Jim and Joe, and their life and what they're involved in and where they're going, the pastor thinks about his people. Dr. Ridgell, who pastored at Central Baptist Church in Johnson City for 25 years, went out to the university and taught in the religion department until almost his death. 
and some young men asked him one time about preaching, and he said, always leave the word of hope, no matter what the subject. You see, the pastor comes forth with the word of the Lord, bringing a word of hope to the people. After the pastor thinks about the people and prays over what he will say the coming Sunday, and remember, when the pastor gets up on Monday morning, Sunday's coming. And it's not far away. But every message needs a solid foundation. And the foundation for the message, the Christian message, is always thus saith the Lord, the Bible. It is not an accident that the pastor reads from the scripture. This is God's word, his revelation of himself, and his will for us. So the pastor brings us back from all of our walks of life, back to the word of the Lord. And every Christian message should begin with the Bible. One professor said, always take a text so the people will have something to think about while you're trying to preach. Well, this morning... I read to you two very vital passages and you have a lot to think about while I'm trying to preach. The purpose of every message is to make the truth clear and to challenge us to act upon. So the pastor has that huge, tremendous responsibility. Here are Jesus' words. Here is his text. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. So here Jesus gives us the text of his sermon. Without question, Jesus has talked with his father. For all through the scriptures, we find where Jesus turns aside to pray. And you know he invited you and I to turn to our Father in prayer. He encourages us to do that. Jesus, no doubt, was interested in the people, was he not? As you read the New Testament, there's some 32 miracles. But in one place, Mark says... He saw the people, and he preached the word of the Lord unto them. That he felt the greatest need was to hear from God. One pastor said, as he was laying in the hospital, the Lord didn't promise to heal us, he promised to save us. And you know, that's the greatest word from the Bible. He promises to save us. And all who place their faith in him will receive his forgiveness and life everlasting. And so here, Jesus wanted to make the truth clear. So he took the illustration of building a building that everybody knew about. I stood here on this ground when Eugene Johnson, who was the overseer of the building of this building, and they laid the foundation. 
And we've all seen buildings built, rooms added on. So Jesus was using something they all knew and something they could relate to. This was the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was given to the Lord's people, to his disciples, to the church, to you and me. What he said was not given to the world. It was given to the church. So the conclusion of his sermon is a challenge for the Christian, the challenge for the church. It's not how to be a Christian. It's how to live the Christian life. To build a strong house on that one eternal foundation. So what he's saying, he's saying to us. Here is the truth of Jesus' message. Building, doing his word makes us a wise person. You know, when you think about the truth, as the pastor tries to bring the truth to us every Sunday, It ought to do three things for us. First of all, the truth ought to stir our emotion. It ought to go down inside of us. You know, some people cry and some people laugh. Some people rejoice and some people are sad. But the truth ought to stir our emotion. Someone said emotions have nothing to do with it. But emotions have much to do with it. Without emotions, we're dead. And the Lord made us an emotional being. But also the truth ought to cause us to think. You know, emotions without thought is like a horse without a bridle. You can't do much with it. Long ago, Isaiah said, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. As we gather around the Word every Sunday, it should stir our hearts but it should also cause us to think, what does this word mean to me? And then the word, the truth, should call us to action. What am I going to do with this word I have received from the Lord? We talk a lot about religion. We can go to nine Bible studies a week You never waste time studying the Bible. But there must be a response. What can I do with this word that has come to me from the pastor, through the pastor, from the Lord? Well, I can't get this page turned, can I? Not doing too well here this morning. The message is not about how to get on the foundation. It is about building on that foundation. And Jesus' words was applied to each individual about building on that foundation. 
Paul's words applied not only to the individual, but the church. To build the church on that one solid foundation. As I said a minute ago, the Corinthian church was divided. It had a lot of little cliques in the church. Some said, I follow Apollos. Some said, I follow Paul. And Paul says, no, Christ is the foundation of the church. Not Simon Peter, not Andrew, not anyone else. Build the church on Jesus Christ the Lord, and it will stand. <coughs> Excuse me, build your life on the Lord, and that life will stand. Every person who by faith have placed their life in the Lord's hands on that solid rock shall forever be God's child. Shall never cease to be the Lord's child. You may birth a child into this world and you may disown that child, but that child is forever yours. Once God brings his children into his kingdom, they are forever his children, and nothing can change that. Two or three observations I want to make in closing here. First of all, we're all building. It's not just the deacon and the pastor. It's not just the neighbor, but it's all of us. Every one of us are building. We can build out of precious stone or wood, stubble, and hay. Wood, stubble, and hay were not bad things. They were just things that would not last. They were incidental things. How many incidental things do we deal with in the church and in our Christian life that really don't amount to a hill of beans? Build, we are all building with the thoughts we have, with the things we say, with the things we do, the dreams we have, we are all building. Dreams are important even though they do not come true. You remember David wanted to build the house of the Lord. This church built here and it's moved on down. But David didn't get to build the house of the Lord. But the Lord said to David, it was good that it was in your heart. Though our dreams may not come true, it is good they are there. They challenge us and move us forward <clears throat> where we would never have been before. Behind our thoughts, our actions, and our deeds, our dreams as well, lay our motivation. Why we do what we do. Is coming to church just simply a habit? <laughs> Or do we join to worship the Lord? What is our motivation? It's not whether one gives $5 or $5,000, but it's why they give that gift. You remember the widow's mite, two pennies probably, but she gave it willingly, freely, sacrificially, and the Lord said she gave more than all the others. 
It's not why we do, it's why we do it. It's not what I do with millions if millions was my lot. What am I doing with the dollar and a quarter I've got? We're all building. Each and every one of us. And we're building little by little. It is a slow, lifelong process. It will never end until we journey into the Lord's eternal one contractor said, I like to see where I've been at the end of the day. He wanted those walls to go up. He wanted to see progress. But in the Christian life, it's not like that. It's little by little by little, slow, hardest work. Olden T. Blinkley was the president of Southeastern Seminary when I was out there. And Mr. Blinkley did not go to school until he was 10 years old. But he received two doctorates. But he graduated from Wake Forest College and received a master's degree at applied Yale University for the doctoral program and he should receive. Went there and met with his advisor, and his advisor, after their conversation, he said, Olin, you're not prepared for this program. But he said, if you do a little every day, You'll be okay. He did. And he was. And later became president of Southeastern Seminary. We build little by little by little. And then every house will be tested. You know, some people in life seem to be tested more than others. Some families, it seems, are tested and tried more than others. I don't understand all of that, but there's one thing we can say. Each and every one of us will be tested. The Lord tests us to move us along. Satan tempts us to move us backward. Every house will be tested. The rains will come. The winds will blow. The floods will rise. And the house built on the Lord with material of his word will stand. And Paul even said we would be rewarded. Some people deny rewards, but the Bible has a lot to say about them. Paul doesn't tell us what the rewards are. But over in Matthew, in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, you remember, the man who had some servants and he gave one five and one two and one one. You know, we're all different. And we all have talents. So I'm still trying to find mine, but it's there somewhere. And you're much smarter than I am. But it's not what we've got. It's what we do with what we have got. Every life will be tested. Dwight L. Moody was a great evangelist. Had only about a third grade education. Preached all over America and all over England. And one lady said to him, Mr. Moody, you made 29 errors in grammar today in your sermon. Mr. Moody said, yes, ma'am, and there were probably more. 
But he said, I'm using all the ability I have for the Lord. You know the Lord doesn't expect you to do something you can't do. He don't expect you to have something you don't have. But he expects you to use what you have. Every life will be tested. Remember the five the servant, the landlord came back and the five talent man went in before the Lord and he said, I've put my talents to use and I've gained five more. And the owner of the place said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. What a reward. I don't understand all that. But it's there. And that's the promise. But you know he made the same promise to the two talent man. And he would have made the same promise to the one talent man had he put his talent to work. So the reward is there. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Following his word. And that house will stand the fire. And you will hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise his name. He calls us to a higher ground. Let's stand together as we have a moment of invitation. Our pastor will be here to receive you. If you feel you need to make a public decision, you can make a private decision right where you are. But in the Bible, they shared their decisions. And that's your opportunity here this morning. One has said this is the most important hour of the week, this hour of decision. And we're here. God knew it. And now we know it. It's time to decide. Come, Pastor.